0: G'day and welcome to the In The Know, On The Go podcast produced by Humans of Agriculture. Our podcast is designed to get you across the things that matter in Aussie agribusiness in a way that's just, well, bloody easy to understand. Think of me as a friend. I, It is learning with you as we discover and chat about the topics from farm to fork and even beyond. Let's jump into it. Welcome back to another quarterly update. It's insane. The third quarter of 2023 is already... Beyond us, Cole, and we've got you back in the seat. I actually reckon it'll be interesting looking at where we what we chatted to twelve months ago, and then just how these quarters and and how it's actually evolved over the year. And we chat about land and what's happening in the rural real estate game, but there's just so many factors at play. So I think it'd be interesting today to chat to you a little bit about what's happening in the market, how El Nino is impacting that, how livestock prices, if it is impacting that and then interest rates. So it's kind of like just this constant flow of different factors at the moment, isn't it?
1: Yeah, well, the land market is a result of lots of issues and sentiment. I'll even start, certainly starting to see that certainly change from where we were in October in 2022. So yeah, a number of issues, Another uh, markets have changed significantly. You know, interest rates, livestock prices probably predominantly, the Bureau's forecast of imminent doom is also uh, having an impact, and so the land market is not immune to those factors because it's largely driven by sentiment.
0: You'd mentioned just off air, but I think it's worth mentioning on here, last time you said you don't feel like you'd ever been busier in
1: your career, and you've beaten that again this quarter. <laughs> yeah, no, it's only by a little bit. Records record's only broken by small amounts, Ollie, but, uh, no, it's, look, it's springtime. We're really busy through spring. If we're not busy now, we're in trouble. So we're not complaining about that, but uh, we've got a lot of good assets in the market at the moment and they're creating a lot of interest despite some headwinds.
0: And so just in the last few weeks, the Bureau has declared that an El Nino is in fact actually happening. So how do you see this impacting the market immediately? But then also, is there lessons that we can look at from historical El Ninos and, and what that actually
1: does? Yeah, well, it's unfortunately, a situation of haves and haves Not Obviously, north of Dubbo in New South Wales, the seasonal conditions are quite dire. And, um, yeah, we feel sorry for those producers who are, you know, looking to the heavens for for salvation in rain. Once you move further south, you know, seasonal conditions are still pretty good. Southwest slope, southern Tablelands, and down through into the Riverina and Victoria. It's still, you know, very well set up. And with imminent rain, hopefully falling today, could really lock a spring in. And uh, for a lot of those areas, you know, a, a drought will start with a failed spring. If we can jag this rain so forecast anywhere from 25 to sort of 35 millimetres, then, you know, a lot of these districts are gonna lock in the spring. And so therefore, if it turns dry over summer, probably not necessarily the end of the world, obviously then we start sweating on an autumn break. You know, that obviously becomes the next factor in the next rain event that becomes um, very, you know, obviously acutely uh, important to everyone. Obviously, in northern New South Wales, we're in a more summer rainfall pattern. You know, they're coming into their rainfall period. So whether El Nino impacts that summer rainfall pattern, well, obviously, that'll be uh, yet to be worn out. You know, there there has been El Nino years where rainfall hasn't been, um, you know, as negative as as others. So it it can be a bit variable. But obviously, the Bureau has been very strong in their advice to everyone that this one could be quite acute.
0: Can you compare, like, events to other ones like does the market and and especially in the land space does it react similarly when these type of events and these drying periods happen because i think one thing i found really interesting in was through 2018 2019 my observations were that like the market although we were experiencing some of the worst droughts we'd ever had the land prices kind of kept going
1: yeah and and i suppose i think ollie will mention maybe in one of my uh, previous discussions with you that I look back in, you know, 2021, 22, 23, where the market just accelerated at, you know, at rates I've never seen before. And I thought to myself, well, you know, what did I miss? Why, why didn't I, supposedly some sort of expert in rural property, look back and didn't pick up the signals of why that uh, had occurred or what was building it for that to occur. You know, if anyone thought they could predict it, well, I think they're either liar or lucky. But when I look back, I actually think that. You're dead right. In 2018 and 2019, when we were in really dire straits and most of the East Coast in regard to seasonal conditions, the land market was quite strong and was rising year on year. And so we're supposedly in a position where we've got you know, negative impacts on cash flows, yet farmers were investing. And But I think there was one, a couple of issues that were different to what we're looking at now. One is interest rates. Back in October 18, the cash rate was at 1.5%. And in October 19, the cash rate was 0.75%. So today it sits at 4.1. Uh, it was remained unchanged um, yesterday. So the new Reserve Bank governor didn't have to do anything. So um, <laughs> just signed the not meeting to, notes. It not to do anything. Anyway, that's OK. Yeah. So it sits at 4.1. So the, yeah, it's basically four times, over four times what it was, interest rates are, than um, in October 19. So. That was obviously having a, a significant impact. I think also livestock prices were really strong. In droughts, livestock prices normally collapse under the impact of numbers, but in 19, certainly in the sheep game, it was really strong. So the going to see now, it's going to be interesting to see what happens because we've got higher interest rates or significantly higher, probably still only at neutral levels when you look at history, but we've had the you know, strongest falls in livestock prices than I can recall. Certainly I think that's going to have a big impact because what it does, it impacts serviceability. And obviously the ability for buyers to borrow money to fund expansion, there's two things that the bank's are going to look at. First of all is equity. In other words, if it all goes pear-shaped, can they uh, can they retract their position mm. with confidence? And secondly, what is the chance of the borrower repaying uh, paying the interest? So it's the serviceability side of things that I think is certainly coming under pressure. We are seeing land values. I think the market like all market sentiments they, they overshoot one way or the other. And I think we can probably say that the livestock uh, the land market's overshot. they are probably rolling over the top now. And we're trying to work out where that base is going to be. I think it's already probably seeing that at least a 5 or 10% off where it really peaked, but we're still getting deals done at those sort of levels. It's remarkable that, well, not remarkable, I think it's quite mature that a lot of indoors probably understand that the market, you know, got a bit topsy, but still to be selling at a 5 or 10% level over, under where it topped out at is still a very, very strong land value position.
2: Hey, it's Nick here, sheep farmer and Rabobank regional client council member. I'm passionate about supporting our local community so we can improve community wellbeing and build strong local economies. My job as a client council member is to help secure funding for regional grassroots initiatives. Those that support education in ag, rural health, sustainability, and help bridge the country city divide. We've helped organisations like Boys to the Bush, funded school field days like Ag Vision and held succession planning workshops, just to name a few. If you have an idea to make a difference to regional Australia, go to our website at au and nominate via our community fund. We'd love to hear from you.
0: Is there one factor that really puts more pressure on it than others, or is it a compounding piece of interest rates in terms of what's actually owed? And then, as you're saying there, with livestock prices and commodity prices, actually, in terms of people's serviceability, is there one that kind of has a larger
1: influence than another no no, i don't think so i think it all meshes into one it it all meshes into sentiment and for people to act and of course when markets don't like uncertainty so at the moment we've got a lot of uncertainty we've got you know i think the interest rate story is probably coming a little bit clearer i think most people understand that if there's a lift or two that might be it and there's a lot of forecasters talking about it maybe um, coming off so i think we're i think the interest rate story is probably coming a little bit clearer obviously the seasonal conditions are Ever revolving, and you know, you one good fall away from breaking a dry period, so that can happen. So you know, that's obviously that's always there, but we've had a significant wet period, and averages tell you that we'll um, probably roll into a bit of a dry period. Now, whether that's a drought or a drier period, that's obviously yet to be yet to come to fruition, especially in southern south-eastern Australia. It's um, still uh, could roll on quite nicely, but the livestock pricing piece is really uncertain. You know, I know that you know we've been selling lambs in the north of six fifty-seven dollars $7 a kilo dressed, and now we're down sub five. And um, particularly mutton where, you know, I've just locked in my old mutton indigo and it's gonna go at a dollar twenty to a dollar forty. So uh, that's dress weight. So that's changes the dynamics and the profitability of your business quite significantly. And so you can fully understand that the people probably taking a breath and thinking, well, what's my next move? It's interesting though, Wally, that what I'm finding is that the inquiry levels for property is still reasonably strong, and I'm actually finding that the, that the quality of the inquiry is probably significantly better. In other words, the parties who are still in the market looking um, understand these factors and are still willing to participate. Do you think like,
0: part of that is, and it seems so cliche to say that like, there's not more ag land getting created, but like people understand kind of what happened and the competitiveness that was in the market. And so actually going, well, if there's the opportunity to go or look to expand, it's still going to be the priority looking at a long-term kind of
1: multi-decade generational view. Well, I I scratch my head at times when people, you know, you've got to be able to service your debt. So again, get me wrong. And they're acute issues and uh, acute issues such as season price, interest rates, you know, don't get me wrong. Then I'm not underplaying their importance, but for the same reason that if you did your budgets in the top ninety, in the ninetieth decile of commodity prices and interest rates at the tenth decile, and you thought, well, that's going to carry on forever, then you know it's probably a bit of a foolhardy way to look at it. I think that the more astute investors and buyers who are looking for expansion opportunities are obviously looking at long term commodity prices, long term interest rates, and where they can withstand, and obviously their the resilience of their business to be able to withstand seasonal pressure.
0: Yeah. So one of the other areas of the market which has started to get a little bit of conversation happening about it, which I know we've chatted, and is the international and I guess, yeah, the 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 larger corporate investors. It was earlier this week that a couple of different reports were saying that the total number of hectares that is owned by international businesses and people has actually decreased and, and is the lowest in seven years as of June 2022. So has that continued, that kind of pullback in terms of hectares and how much of a factor is it?
1: Well, I think you've got to really look into the numbers and understand what they're saying. It's the total hectares has gone down. I certainly don't think it'll be total value. And that's obviously because there's been some large pastoral holdings, change hands, which has re- impacted those numbers. We're, we're still seeing really strong inquiry from foreign capital and that foreign capital is generally managed by local you know, Australians who are deploying that into Australian ag and they're still strongly looking at opportunities Uh, particularly in the development space, you know, they're looking for creating value for their investors. So, you know, buying, whether it's a change of use of land, development of cropping, you know, grazing to cropping, you know, irrigate, dry land to irrigated, irrigated, you know, row crop into permanent plantings, those step up in values uh, are the opportunities that generally a lot of these uh, guys are looking at. Especially, you know, you look at dairy, for example, you know, really strong profitability results coming out of the dairy sector and there's certainly a lot of foreign investment and interest in that area as well.
0: And so you just mentioned dairy. Is that probably the main type of enterprise or is there other land types
1: as well that are starting to peak Look, Just dairy is one of those areas. Ollie, it's obviously a very mature industry. It has a different cash flow profile to a lot of other businesses, which is obviously important. You look at chickens and poultry, that's obviously been a hotspot in recent times as well. Some significant um, investments in those areas and transactions occurring, and then if you look at the broad acre, look the broader acre, a broader hectare, I should say, row cropping has always been a popular space to foreign capital, and so you know the the whole story of food security—it's not going away anytime soon. I think the other thing that we've mentioned previously is that also some of these parties who have only had a mandate for for row crops or without have now got a mandate for including livestock. And a lot of that to come through to the fact that they see livestock as an important part of maybe the carbon story in regard to resting land and permanent pastures and things like that with regard to rotations. And although we've obviously got the methane issue that livestock need to uh, have got to overcome in regard to their carbon footprint, it seems that investors are seeing livestock as an important part of the uh, the mix now, which is interesting because certainly that wasn't the case two years ago.
0: Yeah, no, it's interesting. I remember you saying that a few months ago. The other one, which we just haven't touched on, we can touch on quickly. Western Uh, Australia—it's an easy part of Australia. (laughs) Better be careful what we say to forget about anything
1: of note happening over there. It's funny; it's like they lag a little bit behind our trends. I find, and although you know it is quite an independent market in a way, but it does sort of—you know—Australia is still one country, and the trends roll across the country. Uh, albeit in different sectors and different influences. But certainly their climatic position can be quite different to the East Coast, and that obviously means it can get out of cycle a bit. Mm-hmm. But certainly the, you know, the market over there is really strong. There's certainly a strong appetite for assets, and it's still, I think, relatively good value compared to the East Coast.
0: And so one other question, and I'm not sure I know you've been flat out on the road, but we've had the chance to chat with a, f- a few different people from the team. We've had, We've spoken with Jess, obviously Queensland, Josh in WA, Nick Turnbull, who's a character, and then Liv running things up in the north and do we did a podcast with Liv, but then a few other write-ups.
1: Anything that you've learned or noticed about these staff members? <laughs> oh, man, nothing really surprised me. And particularly what didn't surprise me is their passion for agriculture. They're all quality people. We're so lucky to have these guys in our business. They bring a lot of laughter, probably most important agree but they're hard working they're knowledgeable and they're so keen to improve and they really love ag they're just the type of people that we wanted in our business and uh, we're better for having them
0: yeah no totally i reckon there's a bit of a a formula and a special ingredient there and they all seem like yeah just an, an absolute great bunch of people and it seems to be a consistent thing that we're seeing so it's
1: been a whole lot of fun chatting with them yeah, no, and, um, and I really enjoyed reading and hearing their stories. And you know, and I think it's interesting that the, you don't have to be lifelong to be in agriculture, and you're an example of that, you know, or love agriculture. You know, the people can grow up in metropolitan areas, but the issue is that once it gets in your blood, it's hard to get out. And so that might happen a bit later in life for some, or it might happen at birth for others. So, But that doesn't mean that it's any less. And so, like I said, once it gets in your blood, it's hard to remove. No, you're dead right there.
0: No, thank you, Cole. I know look, we, we love getting the feedback and and people find these little quarterly updates that we're doing really useful. So thank you for joining us again and enjoy your time on the road, stay safe out there and hopefully you've got the windscreen wipers on today. Yeah, that's the plan, Ollie. Good on you, thank you. Well, that's it for another episode from us here at Humans of Agriculture. We hope you're enjoying these podcasts and well, if you're not, let us know. Hit us up at hello at humansofagriculture.com Get in touch with any guest recommendations, topics or things you'd like us to talk and get curious about. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with a friend. Rate, subscribe, review it. Any feedback is absolutely awesome and we really do welcome it. So look after yourselves, stay safe, stay sane. We'll see you next time. See ya.